Chapter Seventeen of Laba by Jory Karl Heismans, translated by Keen Wallace. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Toward the end of the afternoon, Durtal quit work and went up to the towers of Saint Sulpice. He found Carre in bed in a chamber connecting with the one in which they were in the habit of dining. These rooms were very similar, with their walls of unpapered stone and with their vaulted ceilings. Only the bedroom was darker the window opened its half-wheel not on the place saint-sulpice but on the rear of the church whose roof prevented any light from getting in this cell was furnished with an iron bed whose springs shrieked with two cane chairs and with a table that had a shabby covering of green beige on the bare wall was a crucifix of no value with a dry palm over it that was all carre was sitting up in bed reading with books and papers piled all around him his eyes were more watery and his face paler than usual his beard which had not been shaved for several days grew in grey clumps on his hollow cheeks but his poor features were radiant with an affectionate affable smile to durtal's questions he replied it is nothing de hermie gives me permission to get up to-morrow but what a frightful medicine and he showed durtal a potion of which he had to take a teaspoonful every hour what is it he's making you take but the bell-ringer did not know doubtless to spare him the expense de hermie himself always brought the bottle isn't it tiresome lying in bed i should say i am obliged to entrust my bells to an assistant who is no good ah oh, if you heard him ring it makes me shudder it sets my teeth on edge now you mustn't work yourself up said his wife in two days you will be able to ring your bells yourself but he went on complaining you two don't understand my bells are used to being well treated they're like domestic animals those instruments and they obey only their master now they won't harmonize they jangle i can hardly recognize their voices what are you reading asked durtal wishing to change a subject which he judged to be dangerous books about bells ah monsieur durtal i have some inscriptions here of truly rare beauty listen and he opened a worm-bored book listen to this motto printed in raised letters on the bronze robe of the great bell of schaffhausen i call the living i mourn the dead i break the thunder and this other which figured on an old bell in the belfry of ghent my name is roland when i toll there is a fire when i peal there is a tempest in flanders yes durtal agreed there is a certain vigour about that one ah said carre seeming not to have heard the other's remark it's ridiculous now the rich have their names and titles inscribed on the bells which they give to the churches but they have so many qualities and titles that there is no room for a motto truly humility is a forgotten virtue in our day if that were the only forgotten virtue sighed durtal ah replied carre not to be turned from his favourite subject and if this were the only abuse but bells now rust from inactivity the metal is no longer hammer-hardened and is not vibrant formerly these magnificent auxiliaries of the ritual sang without cease the canonical hours were sounded matins and laudes before daybreak prime at dawn tierce at nine o'clock sexte at noon nones at three and then vespers and compline now we announce the curate's mass ring three angeluses morning noon and evening occasionally a salute and on certain days launch a few peals for prescribed ceremonies and that's all it's only in the convents where the bells do not sleep for these at least the night officers are kept up 
you mustn't talk about that said his wife straightening the pillows at his back if you keep working yourself up you'll never get well quite right he said resigned but what would you have i shall still be a man with a grievance whom nothing can pacify and he smiled at his wife who was bringing him a spoonful of the potion to swallow the doorbell rang madame carre went to answer it and a hilarious and red-faced priest entered crying in a great voice it's jacob's ladder that stairway i climbed and climbed and climbed and i'm all out of breath and he sank puffing into an armchair well my friend he said at last coming into the bedroom i learned from the beadle that you were ill and i came to see how you were getting on durtal examined him an irrepressible gaiety exuded from this sanguine smooth-shaven face blue from the razor carre introduced them they exchanged a look of distrust on the priest's side of coldness on durtal's durtal felt embarrassed and in the way while the honest pair were effusively and with excessive humility thanking the abbe for coming up to see them it was evident that for this pair who were not ignorant of the sacrileges and scandalous self-indulgences of the clergy an ecclesiastic was a man elect a man so superior that as soon as he arrived nobody else counted durtal took his leave and as he went downstairs he thought that jubilant priest sickens me indeed a gay priest physician or man of letters must have an infamous soul because they are the ones who see clearly into human misery and console it or heal it or depict it if after that they can act the clown they are unspeakable though i'll admit that thoughtless persons deplore the sadness of the novel of observation and its resemblance to the life it represents these people would have it jovial smart highly coloured aiding them in their base selfishness to forget the hag-ridden existences of their brothers truly carre and his wife are peculiar they bow under the paternal despotism of the priests and there are moments when that same despotism must be no joke and revere them and adore them but then these two are simple believers with humble unsmirched souls i don't know the priest who was there but he is rotund and rubicund he shakes in his fat and seems bursting with joy despite the example of saint francis of assisi who was gay spoiling him for me i have difficulty in persuading myself that this abbe is an elevated being it's all right to say that the best thing for him is to be mediocre to ask how if he were otherwise he would make his flock understand him and add that if he really had superior gifts he would be hated by his colleagues and persecuted by his bishop while conversing thus disjointedly with himself durtal had reached the base of the tower he stopped under the porch i intended to stay longer up there thought he it's only half past five i must kill at least half an hour before dinner the weather was almost mild the clouds had been swept away he lighted a cigarette and strolled about the square musing looking up he hunted for the bell-ringer's window and recognized it of the windows which opened over the portico it alone had a curtain what an abominable construction he thought contemplating the church think that cube flanked by two towers presumes to invite comparison with the facade of notre dame what a jumble he continued examining the details from the foundation to the first story are ionic columns with volutes then from the base of the tower to the summit are corinthian columns with acanthus leaves what significance can this salmagundi of pagan orders have on a christian church and as a rebuke to the over-ornamented bell tower there stands the other tower unfinished looking like an abandoned grain elevator but the less hideous of the two at that 
and it took five or six architects to erect this indigent heap of stones yet servandoni and opanor and their ilk were the real major prophets the zekiels of building their work is the work of seers looking beyond the eighteenth century to the day of transportation by steam for saint sulpice is not a church it's a railway station and the interior of the edifice is not more religious nor artistic than the exterior the only thing in it that pleases me is good carré's aerial cave then he looked about him this square is very ugly but how provincial and homelike it is surely nothing could equal the hideousness of that seminary which exhales the rancid frozen odour of a hospital the fountain with its polygonal basins its saucepan urns its lion-headed spouts its niches with prelates in them is no masterpiece neither is the city hall whose administrative style is a cinder in the eye but on this square as in the neighbouring streets servandoni garancière and ferroux one respires an atmosphere compounded of benign silence and mild humidity you think of a clothes press that hasn't been open for years and somehow of incense this square is in perfect harmony with the houses in the decayed streets around here with the shops where religious paraphernalia are sold the image and ciborium factories the catholic bookstores with books whose covers are the color of apple seeds macadam nutmeg bluing yes it's dilapidated and quiet the square was then almost deserted a few women were going up the church steps met by mendicants who murmured paternosters as they rattled their tin cups an ecclesiastic carrying under his arm a book bound in black cloth saluted white-eyed women a few dogs were running about children were chasing each other or jumping rope the enormous chocolate-coloured la villette omnibus and the little honey-yellow bus of the auteuil line went past almost empty hackmen were standing beside their hacks on the sidewalk or in a group around a comfort station talking there were no crowds no noise and the great trees gave the square the appearance of the silent mal of a little town well said durtal considering the church again i really must go up to the top of the tower some clear day then he shook his head what for a bird's-eye view of paris would have been interesting in the middle ages but now i should see as from a hilltop other heights a network of grey streets the whiter arteries of the boulevards the green plaques of gardens and squares and away in the distance files of houses like lines of dominoes stood up on end the black dots being windows and then the edifices emerging from this jumble of roofs notre dame la sainte chapelle saint severin saint etienne du mont the tour saint jacques are put out of countenance by the deplorable mass of newer edifices and i am not at all eager to contemplate that specimen of the art of the maker of toilet articles which l'opera is nor that bridge arch l'arc de la triomphe nor that hollow chandelier the tour eiffel it's enough to see them separately from the ground as you turn a street corner well i must go and dine for i have an engagement with hyacinthe and i must be back before eight he went to a neighbouring wine shop where the dining-room depopulated at six o'clock permitted one to ruminate in tranquillity while eating fairly sanitary food and drinking not too dangerously coloured wines he was thinking of madame chantelouve but more of docre the mystery of this priest haunted him what could be going on in the soul of a man who had had the figure of christ tattooed on his heels the better to trample him what hate the act revealed did docre hate god for not having given him the blessed ecstasies of a saint or more humanly for not having raised him to the highest ecclesiastical dignities 
evidently the spite of this priest was inordinate and his pride unlimited he seemed not displeased to be an object of terror and loathing for thus he was somebody then for a thorough-paced scoundrel as this man seemed to be what delight to make his enemies languish in slow torment by casting spells on them with perfect impunity and sacrilege carries one out of oneself in furious transports in voluptuous delirium which nothing can equal since the middle ages it has been the coward's crime for human justice does not prosecute it and one can commit it with impunity but it is the most extreme of excesses for a believer and docre believes in christ or he wouldn't hate him so a monster and what ignoble relations he must have had with chanteloup's wife now how shall i make her speak up she gave me quite clearly to understand the other day that she refused to explain herself on this topic meanwhile as i have not intention of submitting to her young girl follies to-night i will tell her that i am not feeling well and that absolute rest and quiet are necessary he did so an hour later when she came in she proposed a cup of tea and when he refused she embraced him and nursed him like a baby then withdrawing a little you work too hard you need some relaxation come now to pass the time you might court me a little because up to now i have done it all no that idea does not amuse him let us try something else shall we play hide and seek with the cat he shrugs his shoulders well since there is nothing to change your grouchy expression let us talk what has become of your friend des hermies nothing in particular and his experiments with matei medicine i don't know whether he continues to prosecute them or not well i see that the conversational possibilities of that topic are exhausted you know your replies are not very encouraging dear but he said everybody sometimes gets so he doesn't answer questions at great length i even know a young woman who becomes excessively laconic when interrogated on a certain subject of a canon for instance precisely she crossed her legs very coolly that young woman undoubtedly had reasons for keeping still but perhaps that young woman is really eager to oblige the person who cross-examines her perhaps since she last saw him she has gone to a great deal of trouble to satisfy his curiosity look here hyacinthe darling explain yourself he said squeezing her hands an expression of joy on his face if i have made your mouth water so as not to have a grouchy face in front of my eyes i have succeeded remarkably he kept still wondering whether she was making fun of him or whether she really was ready to tell him what he wanted to know listen she said i hold firmly by my decision of the other night i will not permit you to become acquainted with canon docre but at a settled time i can arrange without your forming any relations with him to have you be present at the ceremony you most desire to know about the black mass yes within a week docre will have left paris if once in my company you see him you will never see him afterward keep your evenings free all this week when the time comes i will notify you but you may thank me dear because to be useful to you i am disobeying the commands of my confessor whom i dare not see now so i am damning myself he kissed her then seriously that man is really a monster i fear so in any case i would not wish anybody the misfortune of having him for an enemy i should say not if he poisons people by magic as he seems to have done gévinger and he probably has i should not like to be in the astrologer's shoes you believe in docre's potency then 
tell me how does he operate with the blood of mice with broths or with oil so you know about that he does employ these substances in fact he is one of the very few persons who know how to manage them without poisoning themselves it's as dangerous as working with explosives frequently though when attacking defenceless persons he uses simpler recipes he distills extracts of poison and adds sulphuric acid to fester the wound then he dips in this compound the point of a lancet with which he has his victim pricked by a flying spirit or a lava it is ordinary well-known magic that of rosicrucians and tyros durtal burst out laughing but my dear to hear you one would think death could be sent to a distance like a letter well isn't cholera transmitted by letters ask the sanitary corps don't they disinfect all mail in the time of epidemics i don't contradict that but the case is not the same it is too because it is the question of transmission invisibility distance which astonishes you what astonishes me more than that is to hear of the rosicrucians actively satanizing i confess that i had never considered them as anything more than harmless suckers and funereal fakes but all societies are composed of suckers and the wily leaders who exploit them that's the case of the rosicrucians yes their leaders privately attempt crime one does not need to be erudite or intelligent to practice the ritual of spells at any rate and i affirm this there is among them a former man of letters whom i know he lives with a married woman and they pass the time he and she trying to kill the husband by sorcery well it has its advantages over divorce that system has she parted i shan't say another word i think you are making fun of me you don't believe in anything indeed i was not laughing at you i haven't very precise ideas on this subject i admit that at first blush all this seems improbable to say the least but when i think that all the efforts of modern science do but confirm the discoveries of the magic of other days i keep my mouth shut it is true he went on after a silence to cite only one fact that people can no longer laugh at the stories of women being changed into cats in the middle ages recently there was brought to monsieur charcot a little girl who suddenly got down on her hands and knees and ran and jumped around scratching and spitting and arching her back so that metamorphosis is possible no one cannot too often repeat it the truth is that we know nothing and have no right to deny anything but to return to your rosicrucians using purely chemical formulae they get along without sacrilege that is as much as to say that their benefices supposing they know how to prepare them well enough to accomplish their purpose though i doubt that are easy to defeat yet i don't mean to say that this group one member of which is an ordained priest does not make use of contaminated eucharists at need another nice priest but since you are so well informed do you know how spells are conjured away yes and no i know that when the poisons are sealed by sacrilege when the operation is performed by a master docre or one of the princes of magic at rome it is not at all easy nor healthy to attempt to apply an antidote though i have heard of a certain abbe at lyon who practically alone is succeeding right now in these difficult cures dr joannes you know him no but gevinger who has gone to seek his medical aid has told me of him well i don't know how he goes about it but i know that spells which are not complicated with sacrilege are usually evaded by the law of return the blow is sent back to him who struck it there are at the present time two churches one in belgium the other in france where when one prays before a statue of the virgin the spell which has been cast on one flies off and goes and strikes one's adversary rats 
one of these churches is at tougres eighteen kilometres from liege and the name of it is notre dame de retour the other is the church of l'epine the thorn a little village near chalon this church was built long ago to conjure away the spells produced with the aid of the thorns which grew in that country and served to pierce images cut in the shape of hearts near chalon said durtal digging in his memory it does seem to me now that des hermies speaking of bewitchment by the blood of white mice pointed out that village as the habitation of certain diabolic circles yes that country in all times has been a hotbed of satanism you are mighty well up on these matters is it docre who transmitted this knowledge to you yes i owe him the little i am able to pass on to you he took a fancy to me and even wanted to make me his pupil i refused and am glad now i did for i am much more wary than i was then of being constantly in a state of mortal sin have you ever attended the black mass yes and i warn you in advance that you will regret having seen such terrible things it is a memory that persists and horrifies even especially when one does not personally take part in the offices he looked at her she was pale and her filmed eyes blinked rapidly it's your own wish she continued you will have no complaint if the spectacle terrifies you or wrings your heart he was almost dumbfounded to see how sad she was and with what difficulty she spoke really this docre where did he come from what did he do formerly how did he happen to become a master satanist i don't know very much about him i know he was a supply priest in paris then confessor of a queen in exile there were terrible stories about him which thanks to his influential patronage were hushed up under the empire he was interned at la trappe then driven out of the priesthood excommunicated by rome i learned in addition that he had been several times accused of poisoning but had always been acquitted because the tribunals had never been able to get any evidence today he lives i don't know how but at ease and he travels a good deal with a woman who serves as voyant to all the world he is a scoundrel but he is learned and perverse and then he is so charming oh he said how changed your eyes and voice are admit that you are in love with him no not now but why should i not tell you that we were mad about each other at one time and now it is over i swear it is we have remained friends and nothing more but then you often went to see him what kind of a place did he have at least it was curious and heterodoxically arranged no it was quite ordinary but very comfortable and clean he had a chemical laboratory and an immense library the only curious book he showed me was an office of the black mass on parchment there were admirable illuminations and the binding was made of the tanned skin of a child who had died unbaptized stamped into the cover in the shape of a fleuron was a great host consecrated in a black mass what did the manuscript say i did not read it they were silent then she took his hands now you are yourself again i knew i should cure you of your bad humor admit that i am awfully good-natured not to have got angry at you got angry what about because it is not very flattering to a woman to be able to entertain a man only by telling him about another one. Oh no it isn't that way at all he said kissing her eyes tenderly let me go now she said very low this enervates me and i must get home it's late she sighed and fled leaving him amazed and wondering in what weird activities the life of that woman had been passed 
End of chapter 17